1: and welcome back to Ladies Who Law School podcast. I'm Haley. And I'm
0: Sam. And this week's episode is sponsored by Barcast Audio. So last week we got the question, do you guys actually use Barcast Audio? Because obviously it's a sponsor. And yes, guys, we actually do use Barcast Audio. We specifically so far have used it for evidence and con law. And now that we're 3L's We expect to use all of them because they have the seven MBE subjects in podcast-like audio lessons. So yes, we vouch for it 100% tried and true. You guys need to try out Barcast Audio.
1: Absolutely. And if you're a 0L, rising 1L, about to start your first year of law school, Barcast Audio has... Just the deal for you. You can get 10% off the entire MBE pack. And you probably ask, why, ladies, do I need this entire MBE pack now? And it's because we wish we were using BarCast Audio during 1L, during contracts, torts, civil procedure. These audio lessons can change everything. So we totally recommend it. And you should go to BarCast Audio and use the code LADIES to get 10% off your MBE pack.
0: Alright guys, this week we had a fellow law blogger um, and she was great. We bonded over our 1L experiences and talked about her experiences so far in law school and it was just really interesting and she's awesome, so we will get into that.
1: help me welcome our guest, Miss Chloe from Law and Skincare.
2: Hi, um, so I'm Chloe, as you mentioned. Um, I went to undergrad at Texas State University. I majored in philosophy. I went to Arizona for law school, so I currently go to Sandra Day O'Connor College of Law, and I am a rising 3L. Um, I'm not sure what practice area I'm going to go into, but I have experience in employment, labor, immigration, and criminal. I really like all of them, which doesn't help. Um, But yeah, a little bit about myself. I also run a TikTok and Instagram called Lawn Skin Care.
1: Awesome. So you went to Texas State. Are you originally from Texas?
2: Yes, I was born like right on the border in a little town called Brownsville, Texas. And then I moved to Houston and I lived in Houston for most of my life and then went to Texas State for undergrad. It wasn't until law school that I moved out of state.
1: Very cool. So how did you end up moving Arizona and going to, is it Arizona state? Yes. Okay. Arizona state law. Tell us about that. Tell us about taking the LSAT and moving across (laughs)
2: the country, basically. Give us your little background pre-law journey story. Okay. Um, So in terms of taking the LSAT, (laughs) I had just a lot of misfortune. So I knew that at the time I wasn't receiving treatment for my ADHD and I just knew that I needed that extra sort of Push to go to in-person classes and that financial stress of like, oh, I need to get my money's worth. So I bought a Princeton course. It ended up following through because a of peop- not enough people signed up. So then I buy a Kaplan course. It's still the summer, so I'm like, it's okay. I'm going to get through it. I'm going to learn about the LSAT. Probably like one or two weeks into the course, my instructor gets into a car accident. So the course got canceled and um, I had just started a job and there's hardly any more time left in the summer. So I was like working two jobs, three jobs during um, the fall, which was the start of the admission cycle. I was supposed to take my LSAT in, I think, October. I can't really remember, but I ended up not taking it (laughs) and literally didn't end up studying at all until two weeks prior to my exam. So if anyone asks me for LSAT advice, probably <laughs> don't take it from me. That's but funny. We literally
0: up- always say that too. We're like, you know what? We'll leave the LSAT stuff to
2: the <laughs> experts because <laughs>
0: like, not- we're not the girls to ask all of that for.
2: <laughs> it ain't me either. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I was studying two weeks prior to my LSAT test day. Um, it ended up going fine. Not necessarily spectacular, but I think... Um, my major being philosophy and having like a huge emphasis in logic helped me a lot. So I scored decent. I was like, OK, I should probably start applying to law school or something. right? Yeah. And I just didn't have that much information about law school. My um, undergraduate school doesn't have a law school. So I felt like I was especially not equipped to understand schools in general. Yeah. So I applied to 20 schools all of which I thought I could get into and also thought that I could live in if I decided to practice there. Yeah. So those were sort of like the biggest factors I took into consideration, but also that just like finances and like the school culture, whether it had programs that I was interested in, which at the time trying to go into law school, I'm like, I don't even know what programs there are. So I guess like criminal immigration, whatever the big ones. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I ended up I was really deciding between University of Texas, uh, Arizona State, and then um, Boulder, but um, I, so I was waitlisted at Boulder. I was waitlisted at all of them, actually, and then ASU gave me an offer first, but then so did UT, but then UT gave me no money, and I really didn't want to stay in Texas anymore. I knew that you know after growing up there my whole life, I just can't deal with the humidity and the natural disasters every year. So, um, yeah, I didn't ever end up hearing back from Boulder. So I just committed to ASU and they ended up giving me a pretty decent financial package. Um, But I think one of the critical things in terms of like ASU versus like the 20 other schools that I was considering was I think the culture was the biggest thing for me, like. I think they do a really good job of making sure that gunners aren't gunnering too much. And I really like that. And I feel like they do try to facilitate this sort of like camaraderie a okay. little bit more than the other schools that I was committed to Yeah. Yeah.
1: Especially, I'm going to say at UT Austin, you know, I think yeah. that that is going to be a big, so what do you mean by not let the gunners be gunners? I, w- I want to know what you mean by that.
2: So, literally, if if people are being gunners, like we all trying know to that sabotage means. other people, yeah, yeah. yeah, they the professors will literally call people out. They'll be like, "You shouldn't be acting like that. Like that's going to affect your future. Like all these people yes. are going to be people in the legal profession. Yeah, do better." Um, and, I I know. Also. <laughs> wow. So, okay, yeah, I wish they said that in our school. <laughs>
1: That's crazy. I mean, also ASU is highly ranked and it's great to hear that a good school is telling the people who, I mean, it's so competitive. Anybody who is not going to law school yet or is about to start law school. I mean, that's something that we lives in our mind. We're competitive and it's just that level, you know, that you're describing. And some people take it to a whole nother level and you're right. It's unethical, it's not the right thing to do. We're learning to be professionals here. So act like it. I like that the (laughs) the teachers are getting on to them. So, okay. So then you end up at ASU. I'm here now. (laughs) Yes. And what did you think about your first year? How was that?
0: Also, I guess you can go into um, how did COVID affect your part of 1L? And I know it affected us, so I can only imagine how it affected you. Yeah.
2: Um, where should, I, I guess I'll start with the COVID thing first, since it's the first thing you mentioned. Yeah. Um, I think COVID was interesting in a lot of different ways. So for me, a lot of my professors almost just kind of gave up on teaching once COVID started. So yeah. like some of my professors, literally just dropped like part of our curriculum like they would teach it but then they're like we're not going to teach this on an exam so it's whatever and asu in particular so asu and i think u chicago were the only schools who were like we're not doing mandatory pass fail so that was a whole big thing and it's very annoying and you know there's a lot of stuff going on and my dad had been exposed to covid multiple times because both my dad and my mom work in the medical field So it was not a good time. And I don't think, I think ASU in particular was very bad about the COVID thing. Um, And the sort of the outcome of that is some people took grades, some people didn't take grades. So some people's GPAs just skyrocketed. Some people's went significantly lower and that affected job prospects, not just for the people who got lower ranks, but for everyone at ASU, because the other law schools in Arizona went mandatory pass fail. So it was really only Arizona State law students who were being prejudiced in the job market. So um, when I was actually trying to get a job for my 1L summer, it was so difficult. And literally, the only reason why I ended up having jobs is because of Twitter. So like, I saw... Um, this girl named Molly, she runs People's Parody at Harvard, and she posted about this fellowship with Harvard. And I was like, I have nothing going on. I'm applying to this. Ended up getting that. And then Harvard put me in touch with a job and put me in touch with a bunch of other people to find more jobs. So thankfully, I was employed, but I, I don't think that ASU did a really good job with that. And you know, not every law school, I think, has the same sort of reach and money as Harvard. So I get that. But 1L for me was not a good time, especially with COVID. Um, and then I guess backtracking even further. So going into 1L, 1L fall especially, I just remember being completely blindsided because I did not look into law school at all. Like even when I was an undergrad, I didn't really know if I wanted to go to law school. So it was just like sort of something never, I was like, I'll right, we'll take the LSAT, like go to law school, whatever. And I remember, like, first day of law school and cold calls started happening. And I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. I was so shook. I was like, "Mm, maybe I should have prepared. So I was literally just paralyzed. And I had, throughout undergrad, throughout grade school, never spoke up in class. Like, I was always so scared of public speaking. So... I was shook, and I remember like having my first cold calls and just absolutely butchering them. Like my mind would go blank; I couldn't even respond to the questions. I was just saying things. (laughs) That were supposed to be over, and it was like so difficult because on top of that, it's like you have to do these readings, and at the time, I didn't know what Quimby was or Case Brief. So I was just trying to do these readings, and I was not getting the right takeaways. But I was trying to memorize all the information. I just didn't know how I was supposed to do law school, and everyone else seemed like they knew, and I didn't want to ask other people, because, you know, when I would sometimes be vulnerable other, with others, they would just sort of be like, I don't know why you think it's so hard, so it was really difficult, and I think isolating for me, honestly, probably the most depressed I've ever been in an academic semester, yeah, but, I'm past that now. Yes. Um, I do think that things change a lot after 1L, but it was really weird having like 1L fall and then spring where I felt like I was like actually starting to get the hang of it and then COVID happened and I was like, Ooh. <laughs> this is like another different territory. So I guess that's sort of a overview of my 1L experience. <laughs>
0: I think so many people are going to be able to relate to that because basically what you explained is, you know, how we felt too. I think everyone feels that first semester you're like, oh my gosh, what did I just sign up for? Did I just take out all this money and like, I'm going to be so depressed and like, is this the right path for me? You know, because it truly feels that way when it it gets so stressful, you don't know what's going on. Like you said, you're reading all this stuff. Everything's like... You know, I mean, the listeners won't be able to see my emotions, (laughs) but you know, I, I totally can uh, feel it. Yeah. And too, it's just so much information.
1: I think you, you said it the best. Like you were just completely and totally blindsided. Like, I think so many of our listeners too, I know, try to do as much as they can before they go, but I think that there's a part of you that will never truly be ready for that first cold call, right? Like you're just going to, you're just, some people do great, but then also then you're living that hype. Like I got to do great the next time, you know? So cold calls are like the epitome of law schools, like hellacious things (laughs) that we go through. Right. But it's, Great, because I know that both of you guys, right, have like grown so much just because of having to go through that experience, not speaking up in class. And like, even me, like there were times I just went to the bathroom and cried after Like, it's just so bad, right? 1L is truly haunting. (laughs) But with all that being said, so now you said you're rising 3L, correct? Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay, great. So, so are we. And I feel like 2L while it was just, just another year, you know, I grew so much. Do you feel the same? How was your 2L year?
2: Yeah, I think, I think a lot of the growth for me, it was just like, well, one, finally getting the hang of how I'm supposed to be doing things and what shortcuts I can make, but also just confidence in myself. I think that like 50% of the reason why I just did so horribly my 1L fall is because I was so insecure and I was so worried about what everyone else was doing and trying to do all the things that everyone is telling me to do, but everyone has like all these conflicting opinions. Um, I think really just staying true to myself, knowing what I want from law school, why I came to law school has just really strengthened throughout my 12 year. And I think going into 3L, like I think it's just going to continue to build on that. So yeah, I think that I've definitely grown. And I'm, I'm glad to hear that y'all feel the same way.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
2: Yeah, I feel like 2L, you know, by
0: 2L, you know what tests are like. You know, it's not like yeah. scary anymore. I mean, it's still scary. Don't get me wrong. But you know what to expect. And I think knowing what to expect can make you feel much more confident because you know what's coming. Mm-hmm. At least that's what it was like for me. You know, I I just felt like knowing a little bit Of what was coming was enough to just make me feel a little bit better.
1: Yeah. Or how, or how to go about it. Or, you know, it's just, every time you take those tests, you learn something more about yourself. I feel like, and it's crazy to think that we only get, you know, what six rounds of tests, but it is, you just learn so much in that time frame because you're not getting tested any other way. I had explained to someone the other day about how we take our finals and then you wait like a month and a half to get your grades That's back. <laughs> and it's like, I laugh, the joke is now, I don't know if I'm more nervous before I take my finals or when I'm waiting
0: for my grade. Like, I don't know what's worse, you know? And the thing is, do they have to make us wait? No, but they do because it's law school is just a hazing process that we try to tell people, like, it's just jumping through hoops and like, you just have to take it as it comes. Like, you know, while we were waiting for grades, I tried really hard to like be positive and not think about it too much. And, you know, that helped me a lot more than other times where I'm like a psychopath about grades. Mental health is a
1: big thing too. I think we've learned a lot about ourselves in that sense too have what would you say about mental health and i know you said that you were so depressed and like that's really common for people in one else so what do you what do you have to share with everybody about that we'll be right back
0: hey guys we want to take a moment to talk about something that has been a game changer for us busy lawyers audible
1: yes Audible has been our go-to platform for incredible audiobooks, offering an extensive library of thrillers, nonfiction, autobiographies, and mysteries.
0: And guess what? We've got a special treat for you. Audible is offering a free trial to our listeners, and all you need to do is check the link in the show notes. It's the perfect opportunity to experience the magic of audiobooks without spending a dime.
1: Speaking of thrillers, I know you're currently hooked on Never Lie by Frida McFadden. Samantha, can you tell us a little bit about it?
0: Absolutely. The twists and turns in Never Lie have kept me on the edge of my seat during the workday and even when I'm on my daily walks. It's like having a suspenseful companion wherever I go.
1: And for those looking for some financial wisdom, I have been engrossed in My Money, My Way by Kamuku Love. It's packed with practical advice on managing finances, perfect for anyone trying to navigate the complexities of money management.
0: What we love most is the flexibility Audible offers. As lawyers, our schedules can be unpredictable, but with Audible, we can enjoy our favorite books on the go whether we're stuck in traffic, hitting the gym, or waiting for a court hearing.
1: So if you're ready to embark on a literary journey and discover the joys of audiobooks, click the link in the show notes to start your free trial with Audible. Trust us, you won't want to miss out on this fantastic offer.
2: Yeah, um, I think the biggest problem for me is like, I hadn't had treatment for a while. So I knew that I had stuff going on, but I just couldn't afford to seek that treatment. And I think one of the positive things about COVID is that it made telehealth so much more accessible. Like for the first time I was able to go and get an appointment with a psychiatrist and with the therapist, therapist for free, psychiatrist for $30, which was huge in comparison to the lines to go in person. And I remember actually like saving up the money and going to a psychiatrist for the first time in person, having to pay like $300 out of pocket because they were out of network, but they were the only person I could speak to and just them completely ghosting me afterwards too, which is a horrible experience. But, um, you know, finally being able to have access to treatment, uh, I think also really impacted my law school experience and I wish that I think that if I had those resources I would have accessed them one now but saying now from experience of actually going through and getting treatment and being on the other side if you are contemplating it please just do it Um, I know that it can be a financial burden but it is investing in yourself investing in both your grades and your health and your happiness. So the whole shebang Please just do it. Please just bite the bullet because it is worth it by a million. (laughs) So I have some questions
0: about your internships specifically. So you had a fellowship, you said your 1L summer at Harvard, right? So could you tell Mm -hmm. us a little bit more about that and what that looks like?
2: So, um, my one off summer, I was a part of Harvard's COVID-19 Sever Institute. And basically what it was is we were learning um, different critical theories, but particularly through the lens of critical race theory for the most part, and just thinking about the law and the laws that exist and the way that we as advocates should or should not be acting um, and how critical race theory can sort of inform the way that we advocate for people in the future. So I was a part of that. And then in concurrence, they sort of matched each of us up with a different advocacy group across the nation. So everyone was assigned to a different place. I was assigned to a place in Sacramento, California called the Center for Workers' Rights. And there I was um, doing intakes. I ended up writing a law that somehow passed um, that just provided people with extra protections against COVID. Um, and it was, I think, a really enriching experience because I got to, you know, actually practice what I was being taught in my fellowship. Um, so then I did pretty well. And I made friends with the people who were running the program. So um, Professor Hansen, he runs the, he sponsors a program for Harvard, but he spoke with Professor Hansford, who is a Howard Law professor. And they actually ended up working together to create a longer fellowship in which we would do, be doing similar things as teaching people different critical theories, but more of like an actual class so we ended up developing that and I helped them with the online infrastructure and the marketing and that lasted like all throughout until this most recent April so it started out as one fellowship and then because of the bonds that I made with people I ended up being able to like continue to foster um that sort of opportunity for myself
0: that's awesome so what are your plans this summer
2: yeah what
1: are you doing
2: Uh, (laughs) So right now I'm working at two law firms. I'm working at, and they're both employment and labor law firms. Um, But I'm hoping that on the side, I can be doing some pro bono stuff. I just haven't had the time. But I'm hoping to just continue doing pro bono stuff that I was doing in the past with immigration firms. Okay, so what were you, okay, in the past
1: immigration firms, pro bono work. Tell us about that.
2: Um, So during my 1L summer, I was also just, Doing pro bono work for Keep Tucson together. And what I was primarily in charge of was writing humanitarian um, parole requests. So people who had pre-existing conditions that could have seriously been affected by COVID, especially because there was a lack of any protections in uh, the the detention facilities, I would try to get them out on humanitarian relief because you know they could die in those facilities. So that was what I was doing during my 1L summer when I had the chance.
1: Wow, that's awesome. So it it seems like to me you have a really big heart for nonprofit and humanitarian work as well as, you know, like you said, pro bono. That's something that really speaks to you. So and you mentioned that you're working at a labor and employment firm. Two of them. That's great. How are you doing that? I don't know. (laughs) I I am I'm barely alive every day, but (laughs) I love that. I love that. I'm doing uh, labor and employment law as well, and I absolutely love it. Yeah, so um, I can definitely see how there is uh, a part of you that wants to like you wrote that for the employees' rights. Like that's really awesome. So that was in Sacramento, you
2: said. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, I was in Sacramento, California, but it was virtual. Okay. Very cool. And what was that organization again? Uh, the Center for Workers' Rights. Center
1: for Workers' Rights. Very cool. So, with all that being said, what are your plans, or what are your thoughts going forward? The infamous question. <laughs>
2: um, I. The problem is, I love, I love people too much, and I, I think as long as I am doing something in a field that is going to be able to help working class people, people who, you know, are at the forefront of a lot of this oppression, that's good enough for me. (laughs) So sort of a cop-out answer, but I think it just encompasses a lot of different types of law that I'm interested in. So yeah, as long as I'm doing something to help people, that's all that matters. But in the very long run, I do want to do like start focusing more on policy work because I, I think that it, that and impact litigation are sort of the two ways through the law that you can impact a large amount of people. Sorry, (laughs) a large amount of people. And I hope that I can start having this more widespread change in a different venue of the law. Absolutely.
0: So tell us a little bit about your blogging and TikTok. I know that your page lawn skincare, I scrolled quite back because I'm you know a stalker and I see you've been like posting for a long time and then it kind of evolved into
2: lawn skincare so can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah um so when I was an undergrad actually lawn skincare was just a skincare page so I yeah I would just post reviews on products that I was using. I had really bad acne just in undergrad and you know as I started gaining I guess like popularity in the skincare community and the more I began educating myself on just capitalism and all sorts of stuff I was just realizing how I guess consumeristic blogging can be sometimes especially like skincare stuff so I had to take a break from it because I felt like it just wasn't in line with you know what I wanted to promote yeah so I took a break from blogging and then 1L spring I think a lot of us were just really isolated from COVID and I just wanted to, I was always online and I was like, well, you know, I went into law school and I had this really bad time because I think I didn't have anyone to look up to or to talk to and I wanted to create that space for other people. So I made a TikTok and somehow people followed me. I'm not sure why people followed me and I started building this community where I would help Um People who want to go to law school. And I sort of merged that with my pre existing uh, love for skincare. Yeah. But um, now I try to be a little bit more mindful of it. I try not to just promote things or take brand deals just because they're paying me. Like mm-hmm. I try to only do things that fall in, li- fall in line with my ethics and the way that I want to exist in this world. Yeah. So that's sort of the evolvement of law skincare. And how do you handle I
0: mean I know for us handling a social media page can be quite stressful when we're in doing
2: law school at the same time so how do you handle it all I think I think probably the same I can't speak for you but I think this is probably the same for all of us like just remembering that law school does come first like ultimately becoming an attorney is our primary goal but you know, there's still ways to work around that. So, at first, when I started doing like law school blogging, I was trying to make content during the weekdays, but then I just found that it was so much easier for me to just make a bunch of content <laughs> on the weekend and then sort of post whenever I have the free time. So, that I do now. And if anyone else is considering doing that, I would just maintain the philosophy of, yeah prioritize yourself. If you don't want to post for a week, like don't post for a week. People on the internet aren't going anywhere. But um, if you want to stay on top of things, I think a great way to mitigate that stress is just load everything up on one day, preferably a Sunday for me. (laughs)
1: Yeah. I love how you just said mitigate. Like that is so, you're such a lawyer. (laughs) Like I love that. (laughs) Awesome, Chloe. Well, why don't you let everybody know where they can find you and chat with you after this
2: episode? Yeah, of course. Um, So both my TikTok and Instagram are at lawn skincare, uh, L-A-W-A-N-D-S-K-I-N-C-A-R-E in case you didn't know how to spell either.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Love it.
2: All right. Well, thank you so much.
0: Yeah, thank you for having me.
1: That was such an enlightening episode, right? Like, I can't believe that Arizona State gave them the option to choose pass fail and, like, just the conviction that that causes. I just, and you know, just the choice. Like, you don't really feel like anyone would choose to not take grades or
0: to, yeah, to take pass, to not take pass fail, but that happened and it really, like, it's insane. Yeah, you know, I am very happy that OCU let us do just pass fail, because I think they would have gotten into a similar situation where people would be questioning, like, uh, what are you guys doing? But, you know, her 1L experience when she was talking about, like, when I got cold called for the first time, and you're just like, what the heck, you know, we all feel that. It's normal to feel that way. Of course, though, if you know what you're getting into ahead of time, you can just, you know, mitigate. I like that's like my word lately. Um, And, you know, do things to get prepared, like get Quimby, outlines from other people, stuff like that. So you just have the answers in front of you.
1: Yeah. And there's a whole other step of preparing for law school too. And she talked about being blindsided. And I know that's something I felt and I know Samantha felt as well. And even though we had seen Legally Blonde and we knew to read before the first day of class, I don't think there's much that can prepare you for that true first day of law school. You'll be nervous. You'll be anxious. And even if you're neither of those things and you're super confident, it's, there's nothing quite like that first time a professor calls your name and you have to speak in front of your new peers that is just frightening and you know it's a part of it right it's like you know we talk about hazing in law school right but that's one of the parts of the hazing process that I think really grows and is good for everyone and so you know while you might feel blindsided like you're growing and be proud of that it's really cool just to hear about other people who are you know? We talked to a Cardoza law student, now an ASU law student, who are all going to be three Ls at the same time as us, and it's just so cool to really connect with people who we haven't known prior to this experience, of course, but that we're going through the exact same thing at the exact same time as us, and you know, just really getting to bond over that. So that's what we do this for. We build this community it's so great. I hope you guys know that we love chatting with you guys as much as we hope that you enjoy listening to these episodes. So yeah.
0: If you want to join the community even more than just listening to the podcast, you can definitely join our Facebook group. That is the place to go. If you have any kind of question where you want more than one opinion, Um, honestly, people are going ham in there. So it's great. Absolutely,
1: guys. Also, don't forget to check us out on Facebook and give us a follow. We always have weekly content on there where we talk about different inspirational quotes, different lady lawyers, as well as different books to read and people to follow in this amazing community. So stay tuned on there as well.
0: Yes. And we are planning on giving you guys some like legal movie recommendations and stuff. We're going to take it upon ourselves to watch a lot of this stuff over the summer hopefully fingers crossed you know there's a few things that we're gonna have to get like subscriptions for so we'll let you know how that goes but there's a few lawyer shows and like there's one show at a law student so I really want to watch that one and like do a compare and contrast to real life you know yeah and just maybe talk about different movies that people are probably
1: watching as it is summer and all of you zero rising one L's are out there like, what do I do with my summer? And you're watching how to get away with murder. (laughs) And we can talk a little bit about how that is totally not like law school, but it is in some ways. So, all right guys, well, we hope you stay safe out there and healthy and that you're having a good summer and we will talk to you again next week. Stay safe. Bye. Bye.